Welcome to Fast Company Digest, essential stories from tech, design, impact, and work life narrated by NOAA app. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor and host of the New Way We Work podcast, Kathleen Davis. Here are this week's stories. First, contributor Chris Marlander explains the three types of CEOs who are most at risk of poor decision-making and the three common scenarios where they are most likely to get things wrong. Narrated by Noah. Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the Noah app or at newsoveraudio.com. For Noah, this is Sam Scholl reading from Fast Company, where on the 6th of November 2023, Chris Maylander writes, These three types of CEOs are most likely to make bad decisions. There is a myth that CEOs make brilliant or terrible decisions in a singular moment. The myth might be good for movie making and setting up the climactic peak of a story, but it is rarely reality. Instead, bad decision making often happens slowly over time, the product of seeds planted long before. In my experience, counseling corporations and governments on their most arduous decisions in over 30 countries around the world, I have found that there are three CEO archetypes which are most at risk of poor decision making. There are three common scenarios where I see CEOs at significant risk of getting it wrong when it will later matter the most. The first is the frustrated CEO. The frustrated CEO struggles with their team's inability to do more, see more, and create more. This kind of CEO knows that their company can ascend if only their team could reach the next higher level of performance. The core problem, however, is often not with the team. It is instead how decision-making happens within the company. When I hear a frustrated CEO criticize their team, I know what is often going on is that all decisions are being made by a singular CEO. In these environments, the CEO's team conforms to the decision-making architecture in place by structuring their logic, language, and measurables to best navigate the established process. What they don't do is bring in new frameworks, which better align decision-making to changing market conditions, whether driven by changes in consumer preferences, technological innovations, or an evolving supply chain ecosystem. The remedy for the frustrated CEO is not to criticize the team, but instead to remodel the decision-making architecture to better capitalize on the unfolding opportunities or threats. The second is the high flyer. High flyer CEOs achieve great runs of success by pushing their companies to greater heights quarter over quarter, year over year. They have seemingly perfected their recipe, consistently making decisions that lead to further growth, market share, and accolades. The risk is that their decision-making models are perfected to meet a consistent set of conditions. When these conditions change, there is an interest rate change, a supply chain breaks down, their working capital becomes strained. The established decision-making models falter. When this happens, vulnerabilities are exposed. New learning curves must be ascended quickly. Growth recedes, critics multiply, and mistakes are made. For instance, Greg Becker, the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, enjoyed several years of fast growth. But when interest rates began rising in 2022 and 2023, the situational context for SVB's run of success changed. Prior decision models proved irrelevant to managing the new environment. Becker's wrong bets 
evidenced by a balance sheet with mismatched assets and liabilities in a new economic environment, quickly manifest. SVB failed. Once the high flyer, Becker was out. I would argue that the seeds of Becker's failed decision-making judgment were not planted in early 2023, just before the bank failed. Instead, they were planted as early as 2018. The third type is the FOMO CEO. I believe we will see many fear of missing out, or FOMO CEOs, emerge in 2024. The current wisdom is that 2024 will be marked for a tremendous upsurge in M&A activity. This creates a unique window for shareholders to harvest significant rewards for investments they made in private companies long before. These can be once-in-a-lifetime wealth creation opportunities, and FOMO CEOs will want into the 2024 M&A game. Unfortunately, many are not completely prepared to play. They have not optimized their company's financials for sale. They have not built playbooks for managing the process, including the myriad strategies, expectations, and negotiation tactics used by competing bidders. Their teams are not prepared for the immense burden a sale process can place on the organization while continuing to successfully manage the day-to-day affairs of the business. Deal-making is a chaotic, intense, and potentially life-changing opportunity. Most FOMO CEOs will miss out because they have failed to prepare their decision-making processes for an opportunity that may matter most, including for the CEO individually, their boards, and their shareholders. Bad decision-making takes seed within an organization in subtle but profound ways. Decision processes and methods need to be curated to meet the specific opportunities and threats which await in the year ahead, such as the likely upsurge in M&A activity, changing trade patterns, conflict in Ukraine and throughout the Middle East, tension along the South China Sea, a U.S. economy which continues to send mixed signals, a chaotic domestic political environment. Whatever conditions CEO faced over the last several years will likely change in 2024, and their decision-making will be as impactful as ever. You are listening to Fast Company, where Chris Mayolander writes, these three types of CEOs are most likely to make bad decisions. This article was published on the 6th of November, 2023, and was read by Sam Scholl for NOAA. And next, Skims founder Kim Kardashian discusses her company's new partnership with the NBA and WNBA, and of course, that controversial nipple bra. For Noah, this is Adrian Walker reading from Fast Company. We're on the 5th of November, 2023. Yasmin Gagne writes, Inside Skims Power Moves, From an NBA Partnership to a Nipple Bra. Influencer and entrepreneur Kim Kardashian is a frequent presence on the sidelines of Lakers games, often sitting courtside with members of her family. But on October 26th, she finally made it onto the court, or at least the logo for her shapewear company, Skims, did, as part of a new sponsorship deal between the brand and the league. To see Skims on the court during the fourth quarter of a Lakers game was such a special moment, Kardashian told Fast Company in an email interview. On October 30th, the brand announced that it is the official underwear partner of the NBA, WNBA, and USA Basketball. The move makes clear that the four-year-old company, which is valued at $4 billion, is making a play to attract athletes and sports fans. It's a strategy that Skim CEO Jens Greed has been plotting for some time. 
Kim Kardashian is the Michael Jordan of the influencer generation, Greed said in a recent episode of Fast Company's Most Innovative Companies podcast. A couple of decades ago, he said, about a fifth of American teens wanted to be a professional athlete. Today, 20% of American teenagers want to be a creator. And Kardashian, who co-founded the shapewear brand, has been a huge part of shaping that culture. At the time of the interview, Greed drew the comparison between Kardashian and the legendary baller while professing his admiration for the way the Air Jordan brand transcended the basketball court to become a fashion and streetwear staple. Greed is now moving skims in the opposite direction, from fashion to court. The NBA partnership is timed to boost the company's recent menswear launch. In October, Skims dropped its first line of boxers, briefs, and men's t-shirts, accompanied by a high-profile campaign starring NBA player Shai Gilgis-Alexander, Brazilian soccer star Neymar, and NFL player Nick Bosa. NBA commissioner Adam Silver told a reporter from TMZ that he too wears Skims underwear, making headlines. It's not the first time that Skims has worked with athletes. In 2021, the company provided the official underwear, loungewear, and pajamas for women competing for Team USA at the Tokyo Olympics, with WNBA star Asia Wilson serving as a model for the collection. Financial terms of the partnership have not been disclosed, but the deal puts Skims in elite ranks. NBA sponsors include the household brands Gatorade, State Farm, and Google, and global apparel companies like Nike and Adidas. Skim's partnership indicates the brand's desire to join their ranks as a ubiquitous name. Basketball, more than any other sport, has a connection to fashion, Greed said in an interview with Fast Company after the sponsorship deal was announced. He referenced the popular League Fits Instagram account, which showcases the often wacky designer outfits worn by NBA players. The tunnel to the locker room has become a runway for players. Skims would like to be on that runway. In addition, international broadcasts and appeal of basketball abroad can help spread awareness of the brand to new markets. Few details of the partnership have been unveiled, but Greed said that it offers Skims opportunities for brand integrations across different events. The company can work directly with teams and players and take advantage of media placement opportunities on channels like ABC and ESPN. The Skims logo will now be seen on national broadcast networks. We also will engage across league media and host activations for players and fans at key events, including the in-season tournament and All-Star Weekend, said Kardashian. Notably, the company is sponsoring both the NBA and WNBA. Working with the WNBA is equally important, Greed said. Its fan base has increased over the last few years, that league is also part of the cultural conversation. Even so, some WNBA watchers have criticized Skims for not moving to work directly with the leagues until after the brand's men's line launched. They see that as a sign that Skims is more interested in the men's league and its players, despite having received early support from a WNBA star like Wilson. And then there's the thorny issue of Kardashian herself who has a history of promoting ever-changing unrealistic body standards and mild cultural appropriation to her followers. Skim's shapewear and underwear is made for a broad range of body types and skin colors, sending a more inclusive message to customers.
How Skims' sponsorship will be received by the fans of a league that's a model of women's empowerment remains to be seen. At the end of October, Skims also launched a push-up bra with built-in nipples. Kardashian starred in an accompanying video that playfully introduced the idea that such a bra, with artificially perky nipples, is exactly what women need to look cold in an era of rising temperatures. Though the company announced that it would donate 10% of the proceeds from the garment, which is already sold out in every color, to environmental organization 1% for the Planet, critics denounced the move as a publicity stunt wrapped in greenwashing. The underwear and ad campaign demonstrate the central paradox of the Skims brand. Looked at one way, the bra may seem empowering, as some breast cancer survivors have pointed out. From a different vantage point, it seems like a product designed to reinforce unrealistic beauty standards for consumers. At any rate, the stunt worked. We can't take ourselves too seriously. We have an innovative product that some people feel will lift their confidence. We had to approach it with humor, Greed said. He added that the brand, like the Kardashians themselves, isn't afraid to court some controversy to attract attention. I didn't know how much attention it was going to get, but when I saw the first cut of the video, I thought, this is going to go places. You are listening to Fast Company, where Yasmin Gagné writes, Inside Skims Power Moves, from an NBA partnership to a nipple bra. This article was published on the 5th of November, 2023, and was read by Adrian Walker for Noah.